Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Purveyor of Truth. I'm so glad you're here today that you have tuned in on this last Sunday of 2020. This is the 27th of December, our last Sunday um, coming together um, in the year 2020 and meeting together again here on the podcast. So I'm glad that you have taken time to tune in and hear what the Lord is saying to us, um, what what we need to hear on leaving 2020 and going into 2021 you know it's it truly is um something to it in the fact that you know we're leaving an old, a, a year behind and, and a whole bunch of stuff that happened over 2020 is now officially you know on a calendar you can mark it off your calendar and put it behind you and there's something spiritual to that that you can release it and it's a um a mental ascent that you are that you realize that it's it's behind you now and and there's something to the idea of of uh, putting up a new calendar and seeing that January 1 2020 on there and I mean I'm sorry <laughs> January 1 2021 on there and knowing that here you're going into a new season a new year and something new and it's solid because it's on paper you can see it you feel confident that it's a new year and there's going to be new things ahead of you and and that all these things are behind us now but at the same time the it's kind of um kind of ironic that it's just another day i don't want to bring you down don't want to disappoint you but you know every day we are called to live in righteousness every day we are given an opportunity to choose joy to choose jesus christ to choose whom we will serve. And there's not a day that goes by that the Lord is not calling you into a closer, deeper relationship, into a greater season with Him. So be encouraged in that today. But as we get started today, we're going to be um, talking in the, out of the uh, about the Ephesians. And we're actually going to start with the book of Revelation. So if you wanted to go ahead and turn there to Revelation chapter 2. That's where we will be taking our text this morning. I trust that you have already taken time to pray, to seek the Lord, to lift up your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're a a member of Blue Water PCOG, I pray that my hope is that you are praying for your church family. I know you're praying for your loved ones and your family, your blood kin. But are you praying? Don't forget to pray ye one for another, your brothers and sisters in Christ. We share a bond in Christ Jesus. And we're going to spend all eternity together. That is God's intent for the body of Christ. And so don't forget to be lifting up one another, interceding for one another, allowing your heart to be pricked with the things that touch the hearts of your brothers and sisters. And, you know, there are there are a lot of things going on in we don't always um, get the, the A plus 100 sticker for um, communication amongst us. So I would like to see that improve and for us to reach out to one another, encourage one another as you also reach out to your community and you're reaching out to your loved ones. And, you know, this is a great opportunity to become more skilled at reaching out more skilled also at hearing what the Spirit is saying and interceding for one another. 
we need that keen discernment in these last days like never before we need to be able to hear what the Lord is speaking we need to be able to hear his spirit the Bible says that those that are led by the, his spirit are the sons and daughters of God hereby whereby we cry Abba Father it's by his spirit without the Holy Ghost this walk is near impossible so please please learn to hear and abide by his direction to be able to um, hear his voice to sense and understand his gentle leadings all right i trust everybody has prayed worship this morning listen to your worship music praise the lord lifted your hands and glorified the lord that you've taken time to pray and encourage yourself in psalms and hymns building yourself up in the most holy faith praying in the holy ghost praise god so here we go we are talking about ephesians today and um first of all i just like you know like to pose a few questions who were the ephesians you know paul wrote a letter to the ephesians right um the epistle to the ephesians and we know therefore that um there was a church in a place called ephesus and Ephesus was not too far away from Smyrna. So you might want to flip to the back of your Bible later on and, and if you have one of those maps and see where these things are. Some people are more visual and it helps them to be able to see where these places are on the map. But regardless, what kind of place was Ephesus? Was it um, just kind of a slum? Was it, was it a boring place? Was it... Um, like New York City or was it like Grants you know which what was it like well I guess I think that in, in comparison it was probably more like New York City it was probably more like um, Albuquerque if you will that it was a commercial center the commercial center of Asia Minor so commercial center of America would be um, a big major city like New York a port city maybe um, like uh, one of the bigger cities in California um, maybe even you know in the center of our country um, we have what is it Ohio um, and I, I never really thought of Ohio being you know a central hub but apparently according to the crime rates and the um, the not so good numbers we have coming out of Ohio, it is a a, a hub of mm, commerce of, of of types when illegal activities and and such as well. So anyway, let's let's look at this. Ephesus is or was the commercial center of Asia Minor, and therefore and and it was known for the great temple of Diana. Now, who is Diana? Well, she was a goddess. So. Um, a false god, a false goddess, um, the goddess of love, I think it was. And so she, they had a huge temple built there for the worship of Diana. This was, you know, pure out evil, right? It's a paganism to the hilt and um, lots of um, immoral activity going on in Ephesus. And yet God had by his grace and mercy saved many people and the church at Ephesus um, prospered and grew and multiplied therefore Paul while he was in prison here writes a letter an, a, um, an epistle to 
the people, the church at Ephesus. And that's where you get the book of Ephesians. So, but here in, in the book of Revelation, we get a word from the Lord himself. Jesus himself is speaking to the church at Ephesus. So we're going to uh, kind of contrast these two things and look at what, what God is saying. But we see, and um, I'll give you a scripture reference for the temple of Diana. That was in Acts chapter 19, verse 27. Okay, so um, you can write that down and check it out later. What is Ephesus now? What is the 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 end result of Ephesus in 2020, you know, when you look at Ephesus, what, what kind of um, situations going on there? How's the church doing? What's going on with Ephesus? Well, Ephesus is now a heap of ruins. And the last I checked, there were no Christians there. So the church at Ephesus now is not. And yet I want you to pay attention to what we have in our hands when we pick up our Bible when we pick up the book of Revelation when we pick up the book of Ephesians and so let's go ahead and begin to read in Revelation chapter 2 and we'll start in verse 1 unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and they are not. And you have found them to be liars. Verse 3. And you have borne and hast patience, and, ha and for my sake's name you have labored and has not fainted. You have not fainted. Verse 4, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works again, and do the first works, or else I will come. This is the Lord Jesus Christ talking. I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast. So he says, wait a minute, there's one thing that, that, I, that I see also that you're doing good with. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches, to him that overcometh. Will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the par of the paradise of God? Wow, wow! So, how I'm, I know all of our Bible scholars that are listening in, the majority of our um, those of you who grew up in church and went to Sunday school, even if you're new, that it's very likely that you've read all of the book of Ephesians and maybe if not that you had definitely heard scripture from the book of Ephesians and seen scripture written on coffee cups, on bookmarks, on posters, on Instagram, Facebook, you know wherever you happen to be looking at Christian content you've seen scripture from the book of Ephesians. It's one of the most frequently quoted Bible books I believe it's one of the most and it has so many um, 
quotations that are taught in Sunday school all the way up through, you know, the generations and into college. And, and you know, of course, there are verses all throughout the Bible, but Ephesians just seems to be one of those that, that really gets the attention of the church. And the people want to hear and quote from the book of Ephesians. One of the most popular ones, I believe, is Ephesians chapter 6, where he talks about the whole armor of God. I mean, we all are constantly talking about the whole armor of God and always seeing the the Lord um, bringing his people back to reading that scripture and understanding that scripture and understanding that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle wrestle against principalities and powers of the air, that 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 we have this authority, that we have this equipment that God has provided for us, this whole armor, that when we look at the other other verses, uh, I just jotted down a few for us, and you know, I'm sure you have some favorites as well, but um, one, one of my very favorite ones was, be you not in drunkenness wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, because that, that verse is what the Lord used um, for my daughters, to be filled with the Holy Ghost, my two oldest daughters were filled with the Holy Ghost at on a Bible study of that verse. And um, it's just powerful when you begin to think. Okay, so where all these verses are coming out of the book of Ephesians. Why is the book of why are, is the church at Ephesus lying in ruins in a heap? The fivefold ministry is discussed in the book of Ephesians. How can this be? How can this be that Ephesians 3.20, that God, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can think or ask. That right there, we see, and it's by His Spirit, again, the Holy Ghost is mentioned, I don't know how many times, I didn't, I didn't look that one up, but the Spirit of God is mentioned repeatedly through the book of Ephesians. God's grace is mentioned over 12 times in the book of Ephesians. That Paul was careful to speak to Ephesus carefully about what it means to live a righteous a holy life what it means to have um a relationship with Jesus Christ what it means what is sin he clearly defines sin things that people say today you know i'm going to be vague i guess but a lot of, there's a lot of things that people say um oh well, that's not in the bible <laughs> go read the book of ephesians oh it's not in the new testament yes it is it's in the book of ephesians so go read the book of ephesians carefully with your highlighter and and look up these scriptures and know where they are because god gave us the book of ephesians i believe just like he gave us the rest of the bible as a road map as a direction of the what to do's and what not to do and so when we look at the book of Ephesians, we see that he defines sin so clearly. He defines righteousness and living righteously so clearly. He offers us the cure for sin, and that is a, a Jesus Christ and his covenant, his atoning blood um, covenant, that without Jesus Christ, you can't live righteously. Without Jesus Christ, you can't do any of these things. You cannot be victorious. You will not be an overcomer. And so when we see that, and we see that um, the church and how she is to conduct herself is taught all throughout the book of Ephesians. Even he speaks to the family. And then he even speaks to the individual. So I, I feel like Paul just didn't leave anything to the imagination, really, in the book of Ephesians. 
And so when you begin to look into the book of Ephesians and you see they had all this instruction, all this good word, man, they heard the word. They knew the word of God. They were given the word of God. The church grew. The church was prosperous at one point in the middle of a commercial hub that wasn't just a commercial hub, but it was a hub for paganism, for all forms of sick, twisted, perverse debauchery and sin. Every every type of sin was committed in that temple. There's nothing, and not to mention that it was done, you know, to in worship to a false god. It was done. Anytime someone worships a false god, they're really thumbing their nose at at God, like in the book of Ezekiel. They're really saying, you know, you're not God. This thing is. This made up thing is. And so it's definitely, there's nothing pleasing in it to God. You can do good works in the midst of a, um, a pagan religion. You can be a part of a pagan religion. You can be part of, um, let me get away from the word pagan. You can be part of a false religion. You can be part of a religious religion. You can be part of um, a helpful organization, a human rights organization. So God won't share his love with another. He won't share his glory with another. So if you, you say that you love God and that you are glorifying God, you can't align yourself with something that does not glorify God, that's not rooted in and worshiping and glorifying God. So be careful of that. Be careful of that. So here we see that that um, Paul wrote the book to the Ephesians, giving them their position in grace, the church, how to live a Christian life, and even spiritual warfare. That he gave them, he helped them to understand that they were aliens and strangers, but yet they were made nigh to the heart of God. That we were once, we were once out there ourselves, but we have been made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. That he gives us an outline of his God's eternal purpose in Christ Jesus. He helps us to understand righteousness and righteous living. He helps us to explore those ideas and and thoughts throughout the book of Ephesians. Again, I just I just have to say that he didn't leave anything to the imagination. He he even speaks of uh, the Christian armor and again he even outlines different types of sins so that we can have an understanding of what it means. So looking into the book of Revelation and Jesus comes And he says, you know, write this letter unto the angel of the church of Ephesus. Write this to them or to him. These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. This is Jesus Christ. These these lampstands, they represented those seven churches, right? So we know that... um, Jesus was, you know, searching through the churches, looking at the churches, 
and saying, you know, I want you to understand, I want you to see my the major concerns that I see here. Jesus did not want Ephesus to fall away. Paul did not want Ephesus to fall away. John the Revelator did not want Ephesus to fall away. Ephesus should have, by all rights and purposes, prospered. When you look at the the content and the book of uh, the book of Ephesians, and when you look at this warning from Jesus Christ Himself, you would think that how could they fail? How could they um, get away from? What had been spoken to them, the word, pure, unadulterated word of God spoken to them, even from the mouth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He speaks to them in verse 2, and he says, I know your works. Hear what the Spirit's saying to you this morning. I know your works and your labor and your patience and how you cannot bear them which are evil, and how you have tried them which say that they are apostles and they are not, and you have found them to be liars. So he's saying, you know, I see your patience, I see your labor, I see the fact that you care for people and you even gave them an, a chance, but you tried them in the spirit. You tried it in the spirit. You tested it. You, you had discernment and understanding. This church was not a passive, submissive church. Jesus never wants us as a church, as believers, to be misled by false prophets or false apostles who twist and add to and take away from the word of God. He never ever wants us to be to tolerate that. We should not tolerate compromise in the way that it is happening so rampantly within our churches today. When we see leadership now the book of Ephesians is really a good leadership book. And when you when you look and you see in your ranks and file, when you look in, inside your churches and you look around and you see leadership putting people in positions who are unclean, who are not regenerated, who are not born again, who are still holding on to and struggling with unrighteousness, demonic activity in their lives, not, not being fought, but actually allowing demonic activity and sin in their life, then we need to know we need to be moved and have that discernment. And this church had that kind of discernment. He said, I know your works, and I see that you wouldn't put up with this, that you didn't bear that. Jesus tells us to test all who claim spiritual authority. When someone steps into a pulpit, they're claiming spiritual authority. 
when someone steps up onto the platform, they are taking a position in the ranks of the army, whether it's in worship, whether it's in sharing a testimony, whether it's in there's there's something about the sacred desk of stepping behind that pulpit or stepping onto the platform that is designated and gets set apart for the worship of God that we need to understand these things as not to be taken as a common ground. And I hope you're getting this this morning. So the Lord says that he he instructs the churches to test all who claim spiritual authority. When Jesus um, condemned the church at Pergamos in verses uh, 14 through 16, and Thyatira in verse 20, for accepting rather than withstanding those disloyal to the truth and the standards of the word of God. So he, he, he condemned those churches because they did allow false apostles and false prophets. They accepted it and did not withstand them. They didn't want to rock the boat. They didn't want to offend anyone. They want, who knows why? Maybe they were just seduced by it. I saw it in my own eyes recently, not, not, not so far off, where someone was put into a pulpit that was um, practicing a form of witchcraft, let's put it that way, and a, a form of sexual immorality. And it was known amongst the people. And then I began to see people giggle and kind of swoon and act very strange. That's that's that seducing spirit, just kind of seducing them in. And people don't even recognize what's going on. They don't know why they acted the way they just acted. We need to examine ourselves. We need to know what made, what, why did I act so silly? Why did I act in such a manner? What would Jesus do? Was that the Holy Ghost that was responding or was that my flesh? Well, you need to know the difference. You really need to know the difference. And don't don't sweep it under the rug. Don't um, dismiss it as something that is just, oh, well, you know, God knows my heart. God knows your heart and you need to repent. He's speaking to the Ephesians and he knows their heart and he calls them to repentance. I know thy works, I know thy labor, I know thy patience. Verse 3, And you have borne and have had patience, and for my name's sake you have labored and have not fainted. He sees that the book, the, the church at Ephesus, at Ephesus, had not backed down at this point. That they were resisting false doctrine. They were resisting false teachings. They were laboring and working hard for the Lord and for his name's sake. And they have not, had not forsaken the Lord. But how can this be? He says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because you have lost, you have left 
your first love, your first love, that deep love and passion for Christ and his word, that deep desire to know more of Jesus, that deep desire to know his word, that his word just literally drops from your own lips like dew, that it, the anointing flows down like the oil poured on Aaron, even down into Aaron's beard, that the that that you desire more and more to know him and the passion to defend the word of god to stand up for righteousness and holiness to not back down to not make excuses for sin to not wink at ignorance but to be like jesus christ this warning teaches us that knowing correct doctrine the word of god obeying his commands and worshiping God are good. But we cannot do it in part. We cannot do a little bit here and a little bit there. We must know and do because of a love for Jesus Christ and his word. That we must be directed by the Holy Ghost with fervently with fervent power, with the anointing, with the fire of God burning within us, that, that it's more than just word and deed, but that it is in the Holy Ghost as well. We must have, above all, a heartfelt love for Jesus Christ and His Word. Sincere, for real, unwavering, unadulterated, unwatered down, sincere love for Christ will bring forth a single-hearted devotion to him that your heart will not be doubled, your heart will not be split, or, uh, well, I, I really love the Lord and I really want to serve God, but I also want to go over here and do this thing. There's none of that. That's not singleness of heart. And it's very important if that if you're under the sound of my voice this morning, and I pray that you are and you're listening this morning, that you hear what the Lord is saying because you must have singleness of heart. Your heart must be single to Him. And for any other relationship, it will flow out of that relationship. If you must have your relationship with God, with Jesus Christ, upright and uptight, like we said last week, that... All other relationships will flow from that. Out of Guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. Your heart must be fully, singly devoted to Him, first and foremost. Um, a life of purity and of love and of truth. That, that we love everything that's pure. That we love the things that are true. That we have a... The name of this podcast is called Purveyor of Truth. It's from a, a message the Lord gave me a long time ago. Because we are to love the truth, to buy the truth and sell it not. That we must have a passion for truth, for absolute truth. Jesus is calling us out now. 
He is calling us out. This is the last Sunday in 2020, and he wants us to wake up. We've been in quarantine. We've been, some of us have been, some of the church has been in a state of slumber. Some of the church has been in a place of, of depression, maybe even a little getting, struggling with depression, struggling with um, being disheartened. But the Lord's not telling us to be disheartened. The Lord's not telling us to get depressed. The Lord's not telling us to give up. He's telling us to hold on, to keep our eyes fixed on Him, to keep looking and keep expecting, to keep watching and waiting, to stay on that wall and pray and watch and pray and watch and pray and trust in God and nothing else. Your trust has to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our blessed hope. He is our blessed redeemer. All, all of our hope is in him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Verse 5. Well, I'll, I'll talk about verse 4 a little, bit, a little bit more. He says, because you have lost your first love. So your first love has, to, you need to go back to that place of your first love. Let the Lord take you back to, to that place. Think on how on fire you were then. Are you more on fire now? Are you more passionately in love with Jesus Christ now and his word now than you were then? Because he says, if you don't, if you're not, if not, this is what needs to happen. He says in verse 5, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen. So he said, he's saying, do you remember where you were when we first fell in love? Do you remember when you first were on fire for God and you wanted the whole world to be saved? And now you've gone through some stuff and you've picked up some heaviness and you, you, you think, well, what's the use? I try to talk to them and they won't listen. And, and he's saying, be led by my spirit. Be led by my spirit. But he says, remember therefore for where you are fallen because you have come away from that first love. Repent. Do that 180 degree turn and put that complacency behind you and be, repent and do your first works. Repent and do your first works or else, he says, I will come unto thee quickly and I will remove thy candlestick out of its place except thou repent but thou this thou hast now he says i don't want to remove your candlestick in the book of ezekiel the holy spirit lingered there in the temple he had warned them he had warned them he had warned them the presence of god he called them to repent he begged them to repent and they did not does that mean that he hung out there because he was hanging out with their sin? No. It is because he gave them every ounce of opportunity to repent. He gives you that opportunity. Does that mean that you're promised your next breath? No. Does that mean the pastor is telling you, you take your time, you just come to the Lord when you get ready, it's going to be okay, God's going to wait on you? No. He said, do it quickly. Do it quickly. 
have a, a footnote in my Bible that says that Christ will remove any congregation or church from its place and destiny in his kingdom if it does not repent of its declining love for and obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. We do not want that to happen. We are coming into an age where you're going to see many churches shut down and not reopen. We're going to see Christians go underground. We're going to see doors barred shut. We're, we're seeing pastors being taken out of um, positions due to adulterous relationships, um, homosexual activity, drugs, alcohol, all sorts of things are going on. But this is not only from that, it's because people have lost their first love. It's because they have gotten away from the intents and purposes of the church. We are the body of Christ. The church comes together to build up and to encourage and lift up and to grow and strengthen so that you can go out and witness and so that you can go out and be strong in your walk with Jesus Christ so that you can go back into your homes back into your workplace back into your schools into your communities and share the light of Jesus Christ the gospel of Jesus Christ that your feet that's part of that whole armor feet shod with the gospel it is apparent that the Ephesians did not take in everything that was spoken to them. They did not repent. Jesus says in verse 6, But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Now, the Nicolaitans, in my studies, tells me that they were a people of compromise. They were a people who took things of the world they took things of pagan and unholy teachings of mm, false doctrines false religions uh, witchcraft different all different forms of things and they wove it back into the church but this thing thou hast that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans Jesus says, which I, being Jesus, also hate. He that hath an ear, verse 7, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him that overcomes, to him that overcomes, will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Not to he that compromises, not to he that does not repent. The Nicolaitans taught a lot of um, compromise, a lot of, like I said, already said, uh, types of different um, pagan and witchcraft and unholy things being brought back into the church. And one of the things that they were um, kind of famous for was that they engaged in and taught that sexual immorality was covered in Christian freedom. How many of you have heard that lie within the past 10 years? You've seen it somewhere. You've heard it somewhere. It's taught in different circles. There are 
places today that call themselves a church, a Christian, and yet they allow this teaching from the pulpit. They're even ordaining people who openly practice sexual immorality of many forms. And they're teaching that it's covered in Christian freedom, that it doesn't affect your salvation in Christ. That is a lie. The New Testament clearly states the opposite. Such persons will not inherit the kingdom of God, according to 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. God hates the heresy that teaches that we can be saved and at the same time live immoral lives. You cannot stand there with sin in one hand while you boast of the goodness of God on with the other. You can't sin, willfully sin, knowingly sin. The Bible says that the, the, Paul said in one place, I write these things that you sin not. Because we have so much grace, do we continue in sin? God forbid. He said if you, if you fall, yes, you have an advocate with the Father. That where grace is, God God's where sin is that God's grace abounds even more but he does but he goes on to say that you don't continue in sin he says God forbid God hates this heresy that's being taught in the land today is the is the church in the place of the Ephesians today is the church world an Ephesus church Surely, as we taught last week, there is a remnant. There are a few who will step out, who will come out from among them and be a separated people. There are a few who will be counted in that number on that day when Jesus calls his saints home. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. There are a few. Will you be in that number? Or will you be like Ephesus? We cannot teach and we cannot tolerate teaching that says that you can be saved and at the same time live an immoral life. Whether the immorality is sexual immorality or some other form of immorality, immorality Immorality, immorality is not godly. They cannot go hand in hand. You cannot live an immoral life and live a life in Christ Jesus. You cannot have a victorious life in Christ Jesus. It is to desecrate the name of Jesus Christ. He will not have it. It cannot be done. It is like oil and water. They cannot mix. They cannot be done. It's shan't. <laughs> to hate what God hates is an essential characteristic of those who are loyal to Christ. And I know some of you don't like the word hate. But honey, I read from the King James. I read from the Bible. And God hates things. There are six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination unto him. One of those things is a lying tongue. One is those that are swift to shedding innocent blood. Hands that are 
guilty of shedding innocent blood. There's so many things that are happening in today's society that were happening in the great temple of Diana. There are so many things that are happening in our culture that we need to look at ourselves and examine ourselves and our family and make sure that we are not sowing into those things, but that we are sowing into the kingdom of God, that we are sowing in righteousness. For if you sow in righteousness, you will reap in righteousness. But if you sow in unrighteousness, you will reap of death. We are living in a world, in a country that is obsessed with death. I've told you this before. There, you know, there's so many things. I could, I could just rattle off a bunch of stuff right now, but what we need to understand is that Jesus Christ is life. We are set free because of our the law of life in Christ Jesus. We are set free for the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That we we are not bound by sin. We are not bound. We are set free. There should be no sin in our lives. There should be nothing that is dragging us down. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and we need to repent if there's anything, any sin, anything that would separate us from the love of God. The Bible says that sin separates us from God. He loves us always. Let me make sure I, you, I help you to understand that nothing can separate you from his love. He loves you regardless. But your relationship with him is broken by sin. Sin separates us from God. It cuts us off from God. And we have to repent and turn back to God to repair that brokenness, to repair that breach. So yes, you can be separated from God. His love is from everlasting to everlasting. His love is amazing. But because he loves you and the next person and the next person and the next person and every soul that ever has been, his love is fully in full righteousness and in full justice, and so therefore he cannot allow sin to enter in because of his great love towards us. So hear what the Spirit is saying this morning. This, the church at Ephesus missed it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss giving yourself to the Lord completely and wholly to getting back to your first love. Get back to your first love. Do your first works over. Get back to Jesus. Get back to your passion. Get back to your love for the Lord. Your passion for righteousness and goodness and holiness. On all the good things that God has. Every good and perfect gift comes down from Him. Don't allow the things that are going on around you to distract you, to disturb you, to upset your apple cart. Get yourself in alignment with the Lord right here, right now, today. Repent. Ask Him to come back in. Ask Him to renew within you a, right, a clean heart and a clean spirit. 
Lord, renew within me a clean spirit, a good heart, a clean heart, a right spirit within me, Lord. Lord, set my feet upon the solid rock. I give my life completely and wholly to you, Lord. I want that passion again. I want that fire again. I want it better. I want to be more on fire for you. I want to be a better witness for you than ever before. I want to be unwavering and moving for you, Lord God, that I know that when you come, that you will call my name. That when you come, that I will be found faithful. For you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Nothing is missed in you. You are the first and the last. You are he that lives and was dead, and behold, you are alive forevermore. Lord Jesus, you have the keys to hell and the death, and Lord, we thank you that you have set me free. You have set us free today. And he who the Lord sets free is free indeed. I am free, free, free indeed. And we praise you this morning for it in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, if there's anyone praying this prayer this morning that's not filled with the Holy Ghost or hasn't spoken in tongues in a long time, Lord, God, let your spirit flow mightily today. Pour out your spirit. Stir up the gifts that's within them, Lord. Lord, I can't touch them, but your spirit can. Stir up that spirit. Holy Ghost, speak. Holy Ghost, have your way. Lead your people in all truth and righteousness. Comfort, comfort ye God's people. In Jesus' name, amen.